This is Gulf Coast Life Arts Edition from WGCU. I'm John Davis. Thanks for joining us. Players Circle Theater in Fort Myers opens its 2023-24 season with a production of multi-award winning playwright Tom Dulac's Breaking Legs. The punchlines come hard and fast in this mafioso-style comedy about a college professor looking for financial backing to bring a production of his own play to the stage. In that effort, he turns to the father of a former student who owns an Italian restaurant. It's a story of worlds colliding as the restaurateur and some of his buddies interested in producing the play also happen to be members of the mafia. In Player Circle Theater's own brief description of the play, it's, quote, a madcap play about the theater, the mob, murder, and menace with a heaping side of pasta, hanky-panky, and laughter. There will be three deeply discounted preview performances next Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday, and the show officially opens October 20th and runs through November 12th. One aspect of what makes this show extra special is that it will be the inaugural production at Player Circle Theater's New Digs in the heart of the McGregor Corridor in Fort Myers. And after four great seasons at the Shell Factory in North Fort Myers, Player Circle is now operating out of the newly renovated space that was once New Phoenix Theater. Joining me now to explore this production and their new home are co-founders of Player Circle Theater, Bob Cassiopo and Carrie Lund. Bob is the company's producing artistic director and director of this production of Breaking Legs. And Carrie is the company's managing director, producing director, and an actor. The couple has served as leaders in the local theater community for some four decades, They founded the Pirate Playhouse on Sanibel in the mid-80s before founding Florida Repertory Theater in downtown Fort Myers, which they led for two multi-award winning decades prior to founding Player Circle Theater. Bob and Carrie, welcome back to Gulf Coast Life Arts Edition. Hi, John. Great Uh, to be here. It's always great to be here, John. (laughs) And to engage with us and your fellow listeners about this conversation or any of our shows, find us on Facebook. We're at WGCU Public Media. On X, formerly known as Twitter, we're at WGCU using the hashtag. Hashtag GCL. So, Bob and Carrie, we last connected on this program back in late April after you'd first announced the big move to the new location. I know you've been hard at work all summer getting the new space ready for a new performance season. Why are you and why should audiences be excited about this new performance space? And there's a lot of reasons. So let's just start with the advantages that the location itself provides. Well, in business, uh, we always heard the phrase, location, location, location. And I really feel uh, with this space, this location, we are coming back to our hood. Uh, I mean, because after all, you know, we were a decade, more than a decade on Sanibel, and this theater is about 10 miles from Sanibel, and then we were two decades downtown, uh, and that's about 10 miles away, so we're right in the middle of our neighborhood, and we're also, it's such, such a incredible location opposite the landings a mile and a half from Gulf Harbor very near Whiskey Creek it's just and surrounded by great restaurants so uh this the location uh could not be better and we really feel we're sort of there's a feeling of coming back home mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. in this new space and, and you know speaking personally from my experiences attending player circle theater performances, one of the great advantages the Shell Factory gave you was that intimacy. Um, There wasn't a bad seat in the house. How does this new location enable you to maintain that, but also provide opportunities to do something bigger? Well, actually, uh, we've uh, this when we took over the space, one of the things we did this summer, many things 
to uh, make it our space. They had a, a, a three-foot-high raised stage that took up half the building. And we spent $10,000 and knocked that out. Uh, we already had $100,000 worth of seats and rises. So we configured it in our signature in the round setup. So four of our six shows are going to be in round. It is exactly like we had it uh, at the Shell Factory. But the difference is... Uh, like my little, th like our little theater at Florida Rep and the theater we created, the Shell Factory, they they had very low ceilings. Now we have these soaring, thirty-two foot high ceilings, a lighting grid at sixteen feet, and that's very important because it really allows you to light shows beautifully. We have such an elegant lobby. We didn't have dressing rooms before. It will be our signature in the round, intimate. No, not, no seat is more than five rows from the action. And, you know, we've run big theaters. But, you know, on, in our last theater, we had a big theater. And then I created a little small 90-seat theater. And regularly, everyone liked the small seat better. You know, th there's just something about that intimacy and being... 10 feet, 20 feet, 5 feet from the action that is uh, irreplaceable. You cannot really um, have something better. Those always tend to be my most impactful experience as an audience member for sure. Um, so the renovation of the lobby, you mentioned this $10,000 reconfiguration to the stage, installing a $140,000 light uh, system. You don't have a bottomless well of financial resources to dip into. So how was news of you taking over the new space received in terms of building financial support? Well, we've had incredible welcoming from all of the community there. We didn't imagine that we could do it so quickly, but we had arranged what we called sneak peeks, and our community came four times. Once a month, we opened the doors, and we actually had like a little mini performance, but essentially, we let them know what our plans are, and um, the audience that came were able to see the progress that we had made. And the last sneak peek on uh, September 23rd, it was in top form. We had all the lights, all the seats. And we also um, found that the majority of the people who, who came to the theater were new. in the, mm. And uh, we had invited all of the landings over. And so they also became volunteers. Um, we were able to sign people up for subscriptions. Prior to even making a commitment to the space, we knew what an obligation it would be having rent and utilities, things that adults have to deal with. And we were able to raise the funds to take care of a lot of the startup costs that we have for the theater and ensure us that we, we are, we're going to be solvent until we have a solid base of audience members in there. And on top of that... You have this ongoing commitment to really keep theater accessible to a broader swath of the public. On April 22nd, we did a fundraiser, and it was quite remarkable. And since April 22nd, we've raised uh, close to $300,000 in donations. And so that is what allowed us to put in a new lighting grid, knock out the stage, renovate the lobby, and all the things we're doing preparing uh, for this season. So, And also, those donations, uh, it's very important for Carrie and I to keep our theater accessible to the entire community. 
uh, affordable to our entire community. And you know, and I and I think for the quality of work we're doing, that our ticket prices at times are as low as $30, between $30 and $55. And, you know, clearly we are going to be giving $100 ticket entertainment. But I always been a mission of both Carrie and mine to have a theater that everyone can enjoy. And if you can enjoy and if you can give more, it's my job to make the audience feel guilty <laughs> so they can make a donation. Right. But it's those donations, whether it's $100 or $50,000, that will allow someone maybe on Social Security and a small pension to go to the theater and enjoy it. And Because that, that's what's killing, like, I don't know if you know, John, but theaters across America right now are going under, and in the theater, American theater, is in great trouble right now. And Partly, they put themselves in trouble because the prices of theater tickets are so expensive. I mean, when I was a kid, you know, you go to Broadway for ten dollars, uh, uh, you know, but now it's two hundred dollars. And right. regional theaters, you know, charging you know high prices, and that's killing the theater. And I think we have to keep theater accessible for everyone to enjoy. Well said. Yeah. Well, let's talk about breaking legs. Um, did this just seem like the perfect belly laugh inducing comedy to not just kick off productions in the new space, but also, you know, for a community that's still, you know, reeling from hurricane recovery, you know, everybody can use a laugh. You know what? Uh, this is going to be the third time I'm directing it. I, I did it in uh, 99. I did it in 2008. It's just one of those plays that I just love so much and it's so funny. And yeah, you know, you have to say, you don't know what audience have gone through. And if you can make audiences laugh, and this play clearly will make audiences laugh, it's such a uh, gift to give to the community. And also, you know, my name being Cassiopo to do an Italian play. That's right. And also, I love plays about the theater. And so we're creating a new space. We are a new theater. And we're doing a play about the theater. And I think that's fun. And uh, and also, I've discovered, you know, I, I've directed many shows many times. And I'm, I guess as I'm older, my process is different. I'm finding so many new riches in this script. And it really is a wonderful romance as well between uh, this woman and her former professor. And it, so besides being funny, I think it's very heartfelt. And I think it's exactly what our community will love. Uh, and, uh, <laughs> and there's a fun thing that I do. Uh, with this production. About 15 minutes before the audience comes in, I have the stage manager bring out a hot plate, get a pan, put olive oil in the pan, and he fries up a head of garlic. Uh, so when the audience comes into the theater, it just smells like an Italian restaurant. It's a sensory so, immersion yeah, experience. Yeah, yeah, an immersive experience. Yeah, I, I also want to mention that being the inaugural show of this space, uh, there's a lot of excitement. The cast is just they're going to be historical. They're, they're the <laughs> first players on the stage for Player Circle. And we feel like all the energy that's been going on to get ready – I hope that that's going to be contagious when the audience walks through the door and feels the same excitement 
of that. We love the fact that whatever theater we've produced, we want it to be the audience's theater. It's theirs, and and then they own it. And I think it's like having a, a ball team. You know, they come in and and are all in favor of having you succeed. So that's the way we're sensing it right now. All right. And just, this is kind of a fun question, but in the spirit of the Professor Playwright's predicament in Breaking Legs, can either of you recall a time when you've maybe had to jump some, some through some rather unconventional hoops or challenges to get a show produced? All the time. Have you murdered? No, I'm kidding. <laughs> <laughs> Almost done. <laughs> gotten away with murder? <laughs> no, well, you know, it's, uh, I guess um, Robert had these, um, a series of the art of theater's business. What is it? Uh, we used to, we had a, uh, we used to bring donors for lunch together with us and said, you've mastered the art of business, now learn the business of art. Mm. What we discovered is the overlap, and it really has been, um, when you talk about hoops, we have a great board, and it's wonderful that they've been able to help us through this journey to open these doors. And it's, you know, all about the lessons we've learned in the past. They don't seem to ever go away, but fire marshals and, you know, various things that uh, um, an artist doesn't necessarily think about. And mm. so it's it's great that we have the expertise of business people who are on board with us. But, Carrie, you have been quite remarkable. Uh, you know, when we started this theater, you know, you could pay a lawyer $5,000 to write the 501c3. Carrie went online and found out how to do it, and, and she did it. And we and everyone said, you'll never get it in time, and we got it in record time. Uh, she, without her expertise, uh, for grants and taking advantage, we would never have survived COVID. It, it, it's obviously a very difficult business to succeed in, and we've been blessed. And I think blessed, you know, well, first of all, you know, we are hard workers, uh, but blessed to have this circle of donors, this circle of supporters. I mean, the, you know, people are so enthusiastic. And I think uh, with traffic being the way it is, to have this theater located in such a sweet spot of the community, it's it's really fantastic. Yeah, I guess um, you say blessed, but I think gratitude has been kind of going both directions. Mm. And um, and I, I'm happy that we were appreciated for those smaller audiences we had up in nor North Fort Myers. They also really appreciated the work we did. It, it, it kept inspiring us to continue. And a large group of that, that those new friends we met in North Fort Myers have already subscribed. So we're not losing them. We're just going to be making new friends. All right. Just increasing a little bridge traffic. That's yeah. all. All right. Well, if you're just joining the show, we're speaking with Players Circle Theater co-founders Bob Cassiopo and Carrie Lund ahead of their production of Breaking Legs, which will be the inaugural production at their new theater location. If you'd like to comment on our conversation or engage with fellow listeners, again, we're on Facebook at WGCU Public Media, and on X, we're at WGCU. Use the hashtag GCL. So I have a confession. I just watched Goodfellas for the first time over the weekend. Oh, my gosh. And so as I was watching it, I was keeping our conversation in mind. And and did you have to work a bit with the actors on dialect coaching to get a particular... <laughs> well, as a New Yorker, I'm out of New York 36 years, and every year my accent gets thicker. I don't know why that is, John, <laughs> but... 
It's not supposed to work that way, Bob. (laughs) I had uh, four of the the four Italians in the show, uh, five. Well, four of them are not Italian and not from New York. So I said, the the first day of rehearsal, I said, my job is to make you four people Italian. And, you know, and and I did. They're doing a fantastic job. And it was to say, watch Goodfellows, watch Moonstruck, Mm -hmm. watch... You know, uh, uh, Sopranos. Like, <laughs> I didn't do this years ago, but sometimes, you know how in The Sopranos, someone says something and all the gangs, it goes, whoa! Yeah, yeah. Hey! <laughs> you know, so we've included things like that. But, you know, yeah, you use that kind of movies and television for research, and uh, and Goodfellows is really right right in the sweet spot of what we're doing, so... Uh, that that was part of the challenge, and uh, we have to also thank Mario's Meat Market in Delhi because there's a tremendous amount of eating. It's an Italian restaurant. They're bringing up pasta fazool and escarole and pasta primavera and veal and peppers and all this incredible food. And there, while and that's one of the challenges, just we're still in the middle of rehearsals. So yesterday I brought in some, you know different food so they can start eating so because you have to coordinate it's got to be exactly precise every well, night well right you can't have a mouthful of pasta that's, when your line comes up exactly. is that, is, I mean <laughs> no, is that part of the rehearsal that, process that is part of the challenge you oh, know wow. for, for a play like this and and there's a with so much so much funny things but for me it's uh, it's been a joy because uh, I'm never uh, uh Re- trying to recreate anything, stealing from anything, is death. You you have to create new. And uh, with this cast, we're really creating a new, very fresh, very funny, and I think one that will be very touching production. Yeah. I, you know, I mentioned earlier the laugh lines just kind of come at you pretty hard and fast. With that in mind, I'm wondering, do you think it's – if it might be easier in some ways for the actors to do a, a live – Performance as opposed to a rehearsal, because you can really feed off the audience. Well, response. you know what? I, I think. Excuse me. Uh, theater. Uh, I once heard that seeing a movie is a solitary experience. Yeah. You are alone. What's up on that screen, no matter how good it is, never changes. But theater is a communal experience. I mean, there is no theater unless there's an audience, and so every night is slightly different. I mean, sometimes actors, I'm sure Carrie will say, like there'll be a cackler or a real laugher in the audience and that will change everything. Yeah, and you play I'll off the I'll be your snorter. Energy. That'll be me. <laughs> yeah, okay. <laughs> uh, we had a, our Lamaze, our children are in their early 30s, but our Lamaze teacher used to subscribe and she, we, you always knew when she was in the house because mm-hmm. she just had this incredible laugh and, and sometimes, you know, uh, you know, obviously the actors will play off the audience. So it is, the audience definitely is our, is the final character you add to any production. All right. You know, you'd think keeping the action of this play, most of it or all of it maybe, is in this restaurant. So from a set design perspective, that seems, oh, simple. But in my research, I was learning that's not necessarily the case. Um, like I found this um, a, 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 a set designer who had done a, a previous production of this and talking about the ways he had used the set as like the metaphor for a jungle because our professor playwright is kind of – 
he's going into the jungle and he might be the prey. Uh-huh. So it was just subtle things like the the wallpaper choices he used. But I'm I'm curious if there's details in the set that um I don't know, just really kind of help us create a sense of place. Oh, well, what? the set is completely around the audience as well. I mean, there's a whole section of the audience that are seated and behind them is the wall with every all the paraphernalia of that restaurant. Um, I, and it is so close that last night watching a run through, I thought, ooh, do those actors know that they're going to probably be falling into some audience member's lap at this one mo- moment mm-hmm. or something like mm-hmm. that? It's uh, uh, very much immersive. You are, and that's what I love in the round. But we, this was an advantage. Usually, you don't get onto the set until a few days before you open. But being our first show, we rehearsed the entire show on the set, and that's been great. One very funny thing in the play because it is a, a play about. As you said, a man who's written a play, and they do a lot of talking. Like uh, at one point, one of the characters is criticizing the play that the professor wrote, and she says, "I hate plays that all take place in one room." Yeah. And now we've been for an hour and a half. Very we've been meta. watching a yes. play that takes place <laughs> in one room, and uh, and at one point, I think one of the characters says. Uh, the professor says, I didn't write this play. Uh, I don't care about getting laughs in this play. And the mobster says, people paid $50 a ticket. You want them? You don't want them to have a good time? Mm-hmm. But I've changed that line to $55 a ticket. And he sort of, with his arm, points at the section. center section. That, oh, brilliant. Uh, so <laughs> it, it's this play within a play is so evident and so much fun. Uh, in breaking legs. And, you know, I mean, one of the jokes is these gangs. I mean, I, I told the professor, you're like walking into the Star Wars bar scene. Like, like he, he doesn't know this world of Italian and mob. And so that is very much, uh, you know, and we as an audience and the professor go on this journey of this world of mafiosa. And it's... Uh, it's really delightful. But one of the gangsters says, he's explaining to the other gangsters, he goes, he says, Professor, breaking legs. And the professor says, no, it's not breaking legs. It's break a leg. And the mobster is a little offended. He goes, well, if breaking one leg is good, then breaking two legs is better. Makes sense. I, I just have to mention that uh, we have a very generous, thoughtful donor uh, who's sponsoring this production, Mary McVeigh, and she let me know it's a perfect show because I think she's broken all of her limbs oh, at gosh. some point, so she feels very akin to it. Okay. <laughs> uh, likewise, with the, the sense of place, I'm wondering if there's elements of you know costume or, or hairstyle that might tell us where we are, because I know there's one scene where a mobster references... Um, he thinks he saw Ethel Marmon live in 1952, and and that's part of the economy, of the comedy, because he might be wrong about the year or even being well, Ethel Marmon. Well, you know, the play but... takes place. <laughs> yeah, it takes place in '89. Okay, but uh, and we're keeping at that. Uh, we have a great customer, uh, uh, Terry Schaefer, and we have worked very hard on the costumes and uh, got wigs for the women. And uh, you know, right now we're ordering like pinky rings and that all the men mm, have multiple mm-hmm. rings and at one point one of the characters offers his ring to be kissed 
and uh, and you know, I mean, who wears cufflings anymore? But these guys care very much about how they look. You know, I mean, they probably got their suits from the back of a some truck that they stole, but uh, <laughs> but they care. So the clothes are very important for the mafias. And, and also the difference between the how the professor dress, which is very sort of tweedy and, mm-hmm. and New England versus the way the flashy dress of the mobsters. All right. All right. Well, in the final minutes that we have here, I wanted to talk about, you know, some of the other productions that you've got coming up this season. Um, ho, 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 the Christmas show. Well, you know, it's uh, – I – for all my years and carry our years together, a wide variety of productions is very important to me. I love Italian food. I don't want it seven days a week. Same thing with Chinese, etc. And uh, Ho 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 is this – I try to create something. We're creating something that was like the Christmas specials we may have seen and our audience may have seen as a kid, the Bing Crosby and Andy Williams, all those great songs. But plus, it's a lot of fun stories and information about how, you know, how the song Chestnuts Roasting on an Open Fire, uh, Chestnuts, the Christmas song was written, or how White Christmas, the origin of that, and so on. And then we're doing... uh, I always love a great American classic, and we're doing Butterflies Are Free. And uh, audiences may remember it from 50 years ago, a Goldie Hawn movie. But this is a play that was on Broadway for almost 1,400 performances. It's a tremendous play, and it really never gets a revival. And uh, Carrie, does anyone want to talk about? Well, I think it has um, a lot of relevant pieces to it today. And even though we're setting it in the 60s, um, the lead character is blind and just the struggle and acclimating um, to live on his own without his domineering mother, whom I'm playing, um, always imposing, like keeping him from being in the real world. So uh, to have the character that was played by Goldie Hawn is is really the one who uh, is the catalyst that brings this boy out and... and um, of course, there's romance involved, but um, I love the turn that my character takes and the growth that it is of realizing you just need to move on and 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 have faith that your son can do better without you. <laughs> and then we, uh, it was the, I always want to do something hot from New York, and it was a problem this year. First, first of all, we've done the hot shows, Lifespan of a Fact, Admissions, yeah. Curious Incident, but because of COVID, there hasn't been a lot of new work. And I ended up uh, choosing a Pulitzer Prize winner, Tony Award winner, Proof, which is just absolutely thought-provoking and brilliant and uh and then we close with two more shows and that's um, six dance lessons in six weeks An international hit yes wow. and we've um uh i've been actually trying to bone up on my dancing just so that i can play that character uh carrie plays the widow of a baptist minister who is lonely and so she hires a dance teacher to teach her six dance lessons in six weeks. And then perfect for Easter, we close with Godspell, mm-hmm. and, uh, which is a musical, incredible songs. It was written by the same man that wrote Wicked and Pippin, uh, Stephen Swartz. And uh, it's perfect because it's a musical version 
of the gospel according to St. Matthew. And we'll be doing that at Easter. So, uh, you know, a musical review, a musical, a great American classic, a screwball comedy, uh, a Pulitzer Prize winner. So I think it's a fantastic season. uh, And I think people can look forward to a lot of great times ahead at Player Circle. Indeed. That is uh, all the time we have for today's show, but I want to thank my guests. I've been speaking with co-founders of Player Circle Theater, Bob Cassiopo and Carrie Lund, ahead of the company's premiere production in their new theater space in the heart of the McGregor Corridor, the mafioso comedy Breaking Legs. Again, preview performances run next Tuesday through Thursday. Official opening night is Friday, October 20th, and the show runs through November 12th. For more information or to secure your tickets, visit playercircletheater.com. Or call the box office, 239-800-3292. Bob and Carrie, thanks so much for taking the time. Thank Uh, you, John. Thank you, John. And if you missed any of today's show, you can always hear episodes in their entirety on our website, wgcu.org slash gcl, or subscribe to our podcast feed wherever you get your podcasts. Our show today was produced by Jared Gonzalez and yours truly. Our director is Richard Chinqui. For now, thanks for listening. I'm John Davis. This is WGCU-FM, Fort Myers 90.1, WMKO, Marco Island 91.7 FM, NPR for Southwest Florida. Thank you.